Here we are locked on NFL alongside the scout. As always, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. We're taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. A few bits of news here to get into. And then our guest, Mike DeBate, he is the host of Locked On Patriots, will be joining us in segments two and three to talk about everything going on in New England. And if they're reeling a little bit from that loss on Sunday night football to the Ravens. You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. Matt, what's happening on this Wednesday? Cool little announcement, a little opportunity I got to, uh, asked to do yesterday is for, I've mentioned it before, but I, I do a drive time Steeler show from four to six every day. And sometimes there are special occasions like we go to and we do the draft and, you know, sat down with Bush and, all the different players, all kinds of different events. Well, this one's going to be a cool one. Saturday is the Steelers have an alumni dinner once a year. And, you know, a lot of the great old players come back. And this one is the 40-year anniversary of the 79 Super Bowl, the Steelers' fourth Super Bowl against the Rams, who they're happening to play this weekend. It's not a coincidence, by the way. And they asked me to host our radio show from that dinner at Heinz Field. So, I'm going to do two hours with Stallworth and Green and Blunt, and, wow. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty darn cool. I mean, I, I think Bradshaw is not expected to come, but they do expect a lot of the old guys to stop by, Hall of Famers left and right. And I, I just wanted to throw this out to you because when I was asked to do it, I realized the first game I really remember watching and caring about was that one, was Steelers-Rams in 79. We were at my uncle's house, and he had a big Super Bowl party. And I remember being six years old or so and actually caring about it and watching every play, give or take. And needless to say, I've been hooked ever since. That's a really cool opportunity, yeah. And uh, covering teams and covering athletes, I don't get starstruck much. But there's those teams, and for me, it's the late 80s teams that if I see those guys, like Will Clark was the guy I had posters on the wall. And if I see those guys okay. around, it's like, okay, that's the royalty for me. Like, I don't care about the new guys as much. It's those, when you're a kid, man, those are the ones that's like, they're on a different level. Yes. And two notes on that. Mine is Mario Lemieux, who isn't a, oh. you know, it was a perfect idea, perfect for me because he got drafted in the mid eighties, right when I was like hitting my teen years. So I watched the pens get good. And when they were going to playoffs, I was partying in college, and my buddy actually owns his his old house. I mean, he was an amazing player to watch. Um, so he's the one that would starstruck me more than anyone. But still, I mean, super Steelers are big, <laughs> and especially around here, uh, considering my age, too. They're noticeably older than I am. And one, one little note about Clark is that year I spent with the Browns, a lot of people knew him extremely well, and it was amazing how often his name came up, how popular he was, how cool of a dude people thought he was. Uh, we'll probably talk about this all day. I do want to get to some news here. We only right. have a couple minutes before we bring on our guest, but we've talked about Brady playing till he's 50. How long did Lemieux play? Came back. I mean, he had cancer at one point, came back and actually played with Crosby for a couple years. You know, we're, we're going to have the, the Patriots on. Talk about a, a fortunate organization. I mean, pretty much my whole lifetime from Lemieux to Yager to Crosby with a little Malkin mixed in, we've had like the best hockey player in the world, give or take, for basically since the mid-80s. It's, it's been amazing. And Crosby lived with Lemieux whenever he got here, and now he owns a team. So 
In, I, abs- I know this for a fact. I mean, the Penguins would not be in town without 66. And, oh, by the way, I was born on 6-6, and, there's, you know, I'm kind of a dork about that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Heck, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, some old-timers we'll be talking about as far as uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots go with our guest Mike DeBate coming up in just a minute. Some news real quick. A.J. Green, it looks like he might make his first appearance of the 2019 season, and I'm, I'm just going to plug him right into my fantasy lineup. Yeah, and... Where would the well, I guess that's a bad example. I was going to say, where would the Falcons be without Julio Jones? Well, they'd be one of the worst teams in the league. They still would be. I guess they already are. You know, like my point was going to be maybe the second half of the season goes better for Cincinnati than the first half. And it wasn't Andy Dalton's fault that they are where they are, but we're going to see a new quarterback come off a bye, get basically your best player back. That doesn't help them block anybody, but I think things will be looking up a little bit for Cincinnati at least. And Andy Dalton's like, what the hell? Ryan Finley yeah, gets to throw to A.J. Green? <laughs> uh, one quick note here about the Chargers, and it's kind of been debunked now, but after we recorded yesterday, there was a tweet from Vincent Bonsignor, and he said, according to NFL sources, the league has discussed the possibility of the Chargers moving to London and that the team, while committed to L.A., would be willing to entertain the idea. And uh, he's... Uh, Vincent uh, writes for the Athletic LA, and we we had talked about how it's not a home field advantage for the Chargers, and they're going to open a new stadium, and maybe that'll change a little bit. But it always seemed just weird and wrong for the Chargers, and having this over your franchise's head can't be good for selling those PSLs and and those season tickets. And people are already mad about them moving from San Diego to LA, and it just seems like a, a bad deal to float this out there if you're. Anybody involved, the Chargers don't want this out there. The the league, it doesn't seem like they should want this out there either. No, I wouldn't think so. And didn't the owner come out and use a bad word or so and say, hey, we are no freaking way going there? You know, something <laughs> yeah. along those lines came out. I know their official Twitter, um, they used the Wolf of Wall Street. We're not bleeping leaving. I saw that. So <laughs> I do think there will be a team there someday. I mean, that's a much bigger discussion, should there be or not. If it happened to be the Chargers, and obviously the Jags seem like the most likely to make that to be that team, you would have to realign the divisions, though. I mean, you can't ask six games a year Chargers to go to Oakland or you know the Chiefs to fly to London. You know, right. so there better be a big realignment if that's going to happen. It almost seems like it'd have to be a split situation where the team plays maybe half their games in London, half here still just to make it because all that flying, I mean, that's just, it's just too much. It's too much for the team that plays in London and too much for all the other teams that are flying back and forth, especially if they're West coast teams. And eventually it's going to happen that way. And it just, it's, it's just so difficult with all the travel. Yeah. I mean, it would have to be a major realignment. I do think it's going to happen, but um, down the road, there was a good tweet about this. I'll save this for our next Twitter episode. Maybe we'll get into some questions tomorrow. It looks like we're going to have Ross Tucker on the show, though, tomorrow. So that should be a fun one. And uh, if we have time, maybe we'll hit some some Twitter questions there. But today's guest is Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots. Let's get into that one. Long day at work, still stuck at the office. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked on. Our guest today, Michael DeBate, he is the host of Locked on Patriots. I want to phrase a question this way to you because I've heard it numerous times and I've looked at the schedule. We've talked about the Patriots a lot on the show and they're blowing people out and their defense is 
unreal. And you're looking at the opponents, you're like, man, when are they going to play somebody good so we can really see what this team's all about? They did Sunday, and the Ravens kind of had their way with the Patriots. What do you say to somebody who looks at the Patriots, looks at their record, looks at their schedule, and says, well, the only real team they played, they got beat handily by, so the Patriots might not even be that good. Well, I would err on the side of caution to say that the Patriots are not that good. They put up some significant numbers on the beginning of the season, and this defense is still legitimate. Look, what the Ravens did was very smart. They had a great game plan coming in. A lot of credit to Greg Roman, the Ravens offense. De- uh, excuse me, Ravens defensive oh, offensive coordinator. Excuse me. I'll get it right one of these days. We're still <laughs> we're still reeling from the loss up here, Ryan. So you got to forgive me for uh, getting tongue tied a little. Uh, however, it is a very very good game plan. What they did was confuse the Patriots in terms of what the handoffs were going to mean. The Patriots' Achilles heel on this defense has been the run, and they have significantly had uh, a hampered time dealing with those run-pass options, those RPOs, and the Ravens ran those very, very well. They weren't able to pick up exactly what the handoffs meant if it meant that uh, Lamar Jackson was going to be throwing the ball, if they were going to be running. Mark Ingram ran a very effective uh, game against the, uh, the Patriots, so... What this did was it exposed some of the difficulties that the Patriots have had. I'm cautious to say that it exposed the Patriots' weaknesses uh, because I do believe they'll use the bye week to strengthen that. The only thing that concerns me as a Patriots uh, you know, follower and fan is the fact that the linebacking core may not have the necessary speed or the athleticism to be able to defend these RPOs straight up which means that the Patriots are going to have to scheme to work around that. I think they'll be hard at work looking at the off the, at the defensive line, which I think was beat pretty handily in this game. They'll have to beef that up a little bit. We may even see the Patriots return to some 4-3 sets. They've been primarily playing a 3-4 with the linebackers running free. That's been their strong suit because it's allowed the secondary to play lockdown coverage, and the secondary's played at an elite level so far. So I would caution people that say that the Patriots are not that good Give them a sample size to be able to see what they're going to do in the second half of the season. And keep in mind, yes, they've played lesser competition. There's still NFL teams that they've played. And with the exception of the Baltimore Ravens, they pretty much had their way with any team they've played. Buffalo gave them a little bit of a difficulty. That's a very good team as well. So I would err on the side of caution to say they're not that good. But they definitely have some work to do in the bye week to correct some of those mistakes we saw on Sunday. Michael, I thought you made a great point about the linebacker speed. I think it applies to the entire front seven being a slower, heavier group, and that's sort of by design. Bear with me for a minute, but I have a theory, kind of a tinfoil hat theory, that I mean is a great compliment to Belichick, and I just want to run it by you. And (laughs) it starts with, I don't think priority number one on Sunday night was winning the football game. And... What do you mean, Matt? I mean, and of course they wanted to win. They didn't try to lose. I'm not implying that. I think priority number one was winning the next matchup against the Ravens, gathering all the data they absolutely can. Playing Lamar the first time is way more difficult and takes you by surprise than the second time around. Now you go into the bye. He actually has something to kind of chew the asses of his team a little bit, make them realize they aren't perfect. This loss doesn't hurt them at all. I mean, they're still going to get a bye, probably the first seed. They're going to win the division by three, four, five games. I'm not saying he wanted to lose, but I very much believe this to be true. I'm not just up here on a soapbox. I think Belichick went into this game 
where the Ravens looked at it like the Super Bowl. He looked at it like, let's gather information for when they come visit us in the AFC Championship game, and it matters more. You are not alone in that assessment. I guarantee you there are a oh, lot really? of like-minded people. And, <laughs> and believe me when I tell you, I, I think that you're onto something in terms of that as well. Now, look, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, they want to go out there and win every game they play. That's of true course. of any NFL right. team, even some that are quote-unquote tanking. I mean, nobody loves to lose. Nobody wants to lose. So I, I do believe you in that respect that they did not go into this game saying, well, we don't care whether we win or lose. But the more important thing to Bill Belichick are teaching moments. He lives for moments yes. like that. And this is a teaching moment. It allows the Patriots the opportunity to scout this team, find out what they do well, and find out what their weaknesses are. And the Patriots' hallmark in the entire Brady-Belichick era has been to find out what the opponent does well and then take that away. They could not do that on Sunday. And that, I think, bothers the New England Patriots. It definitely bothers Bill Belichick. So you can bet they're going to be devising ways to be able to do it. The good news is for Patriots fans is there is not a better coach equipped in the league to be able to do that than Bill Belichick. So I agree with you in some some way, shape, or form by saying that this gives a lot of ammunition to the coaching staff to be able to motivate this team for the second half of the season. So... I think you may be more on to something than not when you when it comes to that. I'm not necessarily going to go in the direction of saying, well, yeah, I think it's all part of the master plan. It's not, you know, Bill Belichick didn't put the hood up and go full Emperor Palpatine on the whole league and say, <laughs> yes, it is unfolding exactly how I like, you know, all that type. He's not rubbing his hands together, you know, congratulating himself on his team's loss and the motivating factor, let the hate flow through you and all that. But in a way, it does provide them with a little bit of an advantage now to be able to see what the Ravens do because I think they took the Ravens' best shot, and now it's up to the Patriots to see if they can counterpunch it. Yes. Mike, I want to talk a little bit about the offensive side of the ball. First, how has Mohamed Sanu, uh, how, how has he gotten into the offense? Is he full go now with with everything the Patriots are doing on the offensive side of the ball? And it, 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 initially, it's like, okay, they paid a second rounder for Sanu, which, you know, he's got another year on his deal, and it's a little high of a price, but it's a late second rounder, most likely, and so it makes some sense. I understand them wanting to have sort of a big slot wide receiver, and Mohamed Sanu does that very well. And then you think, okay, well, Josh Gordon's hurt, so that's why they needed Mohamed Sanu, but Josh Gordon's about ready to play Monday Night Football for another team now, so essentially, they used a second round pick to go from Gordon to Sanu, and when you look look at it from a pure talent perspective, that doesn't seem like a very shrewd move. Do you know anything more about the Gordon situation and how is Sanu playing for the Pats early on? Mike, take it one step further, if I can interject real quick. Sure. I mentioned this yesterday. I also don't think it it goes back to the Pats always having a plan. The Sanu situation, he's very similar to me to Nikhil Harry. Big, physical, slot, a type of receiver they haven't had. And they use a second-round pick and a first-round pick on similar after-the-catch, tough, big-bodied slots. I don't think that's an accident. No, it's not an accident. And in terms of, and I think that's a great point, Matt, and I'm glad that you brought that up. To go back to your point, Brian, about the Patriots having a plan and in terms of you know going from Sanu to Gordon and that not being or what happened behind the scenes, the consensus up here seems to be that there is more than meets the eye it's just not something that the team is going to be talking about. Now, I'm not Shocker. saying that in, that does not include at all 
any type of um, implication that this was anything related to off-the-field issues with Josh Gordon. That seems to be completely buried, and I believe that not to be the case, and that did not factor into the decision-making here. I think this was a pure football decision. There were some questions about conditioning and Josh being able to run the routes and do what they needed him to do in this offense and be the type of contributor that they needed him to be. That's definitely on the table and something I would keep an eye on, especially seeing how he's going to be playing in Seattle. I think Josh has a lot left in the tank, but maybe he just wasn't the fit in this Patriots offense that originally was thought. With Sanu, it's definitely a synergy that they're working on with Tom Brady. There's still a little ways to go, but we saw that grow by leaps and bounds. Sanu was probably their most reliable and most prolific receiver on Sunday against the Ravens. That's not named Julian Edelman. And let's face it, folks. Brady can only go to that well one so many times. Julian Edelman is banged up. He's playing with some injured ribs. He's been playing through a lot of pain and been playing through a lot of conditioning issues. He definitely can use this bye week coming up. But Sanu, I love the the fit that he has in this. And Matt, you mentioned this as well. He's a big body, big receiver. Pairing him with Nikhil Harry, who I do believe will be back for the Eagles game on the 17th, is a very good one-two combination. So the Patriots are starting to develop the type of offense I think they envisioned putting out there all season long just took them a little time to get there and maybe a couple of moving parts here and there. Mike, what's your biggest concern on offense? Mine's left tackle. Yes, and that continues to be a, uh, a concern. And absolutely, with the addition of Isaiah Wynn coming back from IR, that will certainly help the offensive line. But look, there's no guarantee. Isaiah Wynn's coming back from an injury. He has an injury history. You have to keep that in mind if you're a Patriots fan. Don't expect the plugs to be filled right away and expect all the problems to go away on the offensive line because Isaiah Wynn is coming back. Will it help? Absolutely. Will it completely solve the issue? Not just yet. Marshall Newhouse is being maligned up here in New England. And look, some of that is warranted i'm sorry to say it he's and i I like marshall but i mean there's a situation where he's playing out of position he's not a natural left tackle he's not a starting natural left tackle in this league it's being called upon to maybe do a little bit more than he ever has in his career he's a professional he has to know a little bit better that holding penalty on sunday was a killer that was a drive that the patriots were making some strides and that actually i believe took points off the board for them he has to do a better job there His protection of Tom Brady has been sporadic, and that's led to Brady taking some quarterback hits, maybe taking a few more sacks than he'd want to. That will continue to be an issue, but Dante Scarnecchia is very good at continuity on the offensive line. I think he's going to be working with Marshall a lot this weekend, trying to get him up to speed, have him be a force in this game coming up against Philadelphia, and then you can hand the reins back over to Isaiah Wynn, and we'll see what they have there. More with Mike DeBate coming up. We've got to talk more about this Patriots offense and, of course, the ageless one, Tom Brady. This podcast is brought to you in part by Peloton. Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. Michael DeBate of Locked On Patriots. You mentioned Tom Brady earlier, and we've got to get to Tom first, the running game, though. Sonny Michelle averaging 3.3 yards per carry. As a team, they're averaging just right around three yards per carry. I know that Bill Belichick would love to be able to run the ball a little bit more, 
put those those short passes into play on third down and have better down and distance when they're there. You know, it hasn't really hurt the team yet right now, but I think as you get deeper into the season, you know, they love to be able to run the ball better. Is that a function of the offensive line? Do you think that's something that they will be able to improve upon as the games get colder? Yeah, I do believe so. And it has been the, the, uh, the, I don't want to say the full fault of the offensive line because I think Sony Michelle needs to do a little bit better job seeing the holes and being able to run through them. He's done a pretty decent job of trying to run through through contact, which has been the knock on Sony since they drafted him. A lot of people question whether or not he really likes to run into contact. We've seen him do that a couple of times this year, but the holes in the seams just haven't been there. The offensive line needs to do a better job. They're also getting healthier. I think Marcus Cannon had his best game of the season, believe it or not, in the loss to the Ravens. He's been very erratic so far, but he showed that he's healthy now and he's able to block and get in on the right side. I also like the fact that Shaq Mason is coming back from an injury. He needs to step it up. Those two guys on the right side will continue to open holes, and if they do continue to open seams, that's when I think you'll see Sony Michelle get a little bit more prolific. But the Patriots haven't suffered that much with the loss of the running game so far simply because they're so good at having running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. That opens things in play action. James White's been spectacular so far this year. He's been very good at doing that. Had the 59-yard uh, you know, play, which I think was one of the Patriots' highlights of the year against the Cleveland Browns. That really broke that game wide open. Rex Burkhead is very adept at doing that. Problem with Burkhead is he's not on the field as much as they'd like him to be. Looks like he's healthy now, so look for a steady dose of those three going forward. But of the three of that needs to step up their game, it has to be Sony Michelle. He has to improve on that yards per carry. Could it be Damian Harris's turn soon? I mean, Michelle on the field screams run. White on the field screams pass. Burkhead at least splits a difference, and I think Harris might be that guy too eventually. Harris can definitely be that guy. I love the pick when they when they selected him, and a lot of people were a little surprised that because of the season Sony Michelle had last year that the Patriots would have spent such a high draft pick on a running back. But Damian Harris is that type of talent that gives you the versatility. You don't know if he's going to be out of the backfield or if he's going to you know push forward and run. He has that versatility. A lot of people keep questioning why Harris is a healthy scratch week after week after week. He's only been active a couple of times, saw very, very little in-game action. That's very typical of how Bill Belichick and his offensive staff have brought along running backs. I point to James White, who I think is very similar in skill set to uh, Damian Harris. James White had a very similar rookie season. He redshirted a lot of these games, and it was really, I think, an eye-opener for me to see just how similar the two uh, career arcs were when you come to rookie season. So I don't necessarily look at what Bill Belichick is doing with Damian Harris as a negative on him or a lack of faith in his productivity or what he can bring to the table. I think it's very standard of how Bill Belichick handles rookie running backs. The obvious um, exception to the rule is when you have a guy like Sony Michelle, who's a first-round pick. He's expected to contribute right away, so you're going to play him. But Harris, look for Harris to be maybe more of a factor as we get into the second half of the season. I do like that suggestion, and I think you're on to something there. Uh, I, I would look for that utilization a little bit more, but I wouldn't look for a ton of it. It just simply isn't the Patriot style. Real quick, to, to the inactive thing, and you would know this better than I do, but I guarantee Bolden's better on special teams so Harris doesn't get a hat. I mean, nobody stresses special teams like Belichick with the exception of maybe the Ravens 
Which brings me to my last question to you. I mentioned that left tackle is my biggest concern with the offense. I guarantee the thing that keeps Belichick up at night is the kicker. Yeah, and the kicking game is definitely one of my woes. As a matter of fact, on Locked On today, I'm handing out my midseason medallions, and one of them is a spot of like a midseason award show, folks. And basically what that means is that I'm also selecting some not so great moments, and the kicking game obviously has to be one of them. Look, Steven Gostowski being injured, having the hip injury, going down with season-ending surgery is a huge blow to this team. I don't think Patriots fans and maybe even some members of the national media and national fans didn't realize how valuable Gostowski was to this team until he was no longer there. It's so hard living in the shadow of Adam Vinatieri, who's a legend in this town, always will be. Uh, But Gostowski has been so automatic and so reliable that when he started to falter, all of a sudden the sky was falling in New England. Now you bring in Mike Nugent. He, you know, was not the great fit that everybody thought he was going to be. Didn't show a good amount of reliability. I think the Patriots were worried about the lack of leg power on Nugent to be able to push the ball beyond 40 or 50 yards. Uh, You saw them go for fourth down uh, a lot more than this team is used to going for it. Nick Folk coming in. Uh, you know, I, he had a decent game on Sunday. I mean, there's nothing to really complain about. He was four for four, two field goals attempted, two field goals made, two extra points attempted, two extra points made. So it's hard to argue right now with Nick Folk, but you're going to have to see it in a big game. You're going to have to see it when the, when the, the, the chips are down and this team needs three points desperately. Can Folk be the one to be able to deliver it from deep? He's got a bigger leg than Nugent had. But at the same time, there's still question marks about accuracy. So uh, it, it would not completely shock me to see the Patriots go to yet another kicker this year if for some reason it looks like Folk is not working out. I think Bill Belichick is a very short leash with these guys. He's got a pool of guys that he's looking at, and it, it could be. that Very well maybe that Folk ends up being the guy, and he may work out well. And for Patriots fans, I certainly hope that's the case. But again... Keep an eye on that because, yeah, that is a spot of concern for the New England Patriots. I didn't know I was going to have to dress up for this awards show on Locked On Patriots tomorrow, so uh, that's uh, that's good to know. <laughs> hit the red carpet. We got to talk. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, black tie is not required, okay. Ryan. So don't worry about it. I think you're uh, you're all set. It's, oh. it's come as you are. We're, we're more like the NTV movie awards than we are like the Oscars. So I think that's uh, uh, that's a better uh, that's a better fit. Okay, so. I'll wear my nicest sweatpants for that then. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, wear, wear a hoodie. I mean, that's uh, what better could you do to come to a Patriots award show than dressed in a, in a hoodie with the sleeves cut off? Cut off I sleeves. think that okay, would be like the ultimate it. honor. I love that. That's what I San Francisco. It's cold out playing slow pitch softball. I go with the, the hoodie with the sleeves cut off. So I'm all Belichick when it comes to softball. So I've got one of those in my closet that I will definitely wear. Uh, let's talk Tom Brady. Great stuff. My, Matt and I talk on the show about guys that are still older than us that are in the NFL. Tom Brady, one of those. I hope he plays forever. I hope he plays until he's 50. Um, and I, I watch the Patriots sometimes, and I think, oh, you know, maybe he's dumping it off a little bit more. Maybe Tom Brady's getting near the end, uh, but they're still winning. He won a Super Bowl last year. I start looking at his stats. He's right at his career completion percentage. Air yards hasn't changed from last year. He's still the same guy when you look at the statistics. Obviously, the record's still great. How long can this guy play, and how is he looking right now? Do you see any signs of it being near the end for Tom Brady. 
Well, despite of what you may hear from some in the national media that say that he's washed up, he's done, he's a fraud, and he's basically just throwing ducks out there, I think you can look at the stats and say that that's completely false. He is still playing at a high level. Has he missed a step or two? There isn't any question. You know, it definitely, father time catches up with everybody, but so far, he still hasn't caught Tom Brady yet. He might be nipping at his heels a little closer, but he hasn't caught him yet. And I do believe that Brady can still play at this level through the rest of the season and beyond it's looking to me i'm not seeing anything in his mechanics and his footwork or in his decision making that would indicate that this is the end of the road for him and he just can't go out there one more year when it comes to brady and what his difficulties have been i think that there's a little bit more squeamishness now to you know to essentially put his body out there in situations that he can't recover from very quickly and i mean hits um Look, he's taken some quarterback hits this year, and a lot of that is because of the offensive line play. And every time he goes down, Patriots Nation collectively holds their breath. You don't want to see any problems with TB12 getting up. He's been able to do that. What what uh, Brady has predicated his game on this year is returning to the basics. He's essentially adapting to the type of player and the type of athlete that he is capable of being. He may not throw the ball down the field 40 times a game and, and, you know, and, and chuck these passes and make passes across his chest, things that some of the younger, prolific quarterbacks are able to do and they're, they're, to which he's being compared in the media. But I look at what he's doing is like a pitcher that is a gas-type, fireballer that all of a sudden can't dial it back and throw 99 101 every single time he throws out there he's got to mix up his stuff that's what tom brady is doing right now and he's doing it very well but make no mistake folks if he needs to make a throw scramble out of the pocket the last couple of games against cleveland and even against baltimore we've seen him do that hit his targets and he's still very capable so before you write brady's epitaph just remember that and know that in the second half of the season is usually when he starts to play his best football that is Mike DeBate. You can call him Mike Diabati if you would like to, and that's uh, <laughs> that's maybe what his family would say. You can find him on Twitter at mdebatefpc. You can find the Patriots tweets at lo underscore Patriots, and of course you can find Locked On Patriots on all of your favorite podcast apps in the same places you could find Locked On NFL. Mike, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you very much, Matt. Brian, always a pleasure. Look forward to joining you again sometime, but thank you so much for inviting me today. It was my honor to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking again come playoff time. Hopefully. (laughs) One would think they'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) And that'll do it. Thanks again to Mike DeBate for joining the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow with Ross Tucker right here, Locked on NFL.